There is no friend as loyal as a book. Ernest Hemingway Hello and welcome back to Prattle and Pages. My name is Carrie Hope Fletcher and I still have no idea whether this podcast is a good idea or not, but here we are. (laughs) I'm giving it my best shot. And this week I would like to talk to you about a book that I have recently read that I think has become my favourite book of all time. And I do not say that lightly. I think it takes a lot for me to claim that a book is my favourite book of all time. I know I said in the last episode that I'm quite easily pleased when it comes to works of fiction. That being said, for something to be my all-time favourite, I think is quite hard. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. If I like so much stuff and I'm so easily pleased by works of fiction, it's then hard to distinguish what was a favourite. Does that make sense? That makes sense in my head, so I'm going with it. Um, But Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid has done it. It's on my top spot. I absolutely loved it. And I think the thing that baffles me about this book is that I don't think I can tell you why. I don't know what it is about Daisy Jones and the Six that made me love it so much. Because if you said to me, hey, someone's written a book about a band in the 60s and 70s that made it big And then they split up and this is the story of what happened. And, you know, there's no magic in it. I I really love a book with magic in it. There's no sort of real romance to it. There are people that, you know, get married and there's a lot of sex, drugs and rock and roll. Um, But, you know, there's no sort of like lovey-dovey, wonderful Disney-esque romance in it, which is something else that I really do love in a book. Um, It's just about a band and the drama of being in a famous band. If you'd said all of those things to me, I think I would have gone, do you know what? I'm good. I don't think that's a book I need to read. But I ended up picking it up because I was looking for a different book by the same author that everyone has told me I need to read called The The Seven Husbands. (laughs) I forgot what it was then. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which I have now bought. Haven't read it yet. I'm very excited to read it now that I've read Daisy Jones, though. Um, But the bookshop had Daisy Jones and they didn't have Evelyn Hugo. So I was like, why not? And the, uh, the cover is spectacular. It had sprayed edges. And if anything's going to make me buy a book, it's sprayed edges. So I picked it up. And again, I don't know what it was that made me read it amongst all of the other books that I had to read. But I'm so pleased I did. Because oh my god, I genuinely just loved it so much. Now, part of me wonders if the reason I connected to this book so much um, is because I grew up with a brother in a famous band. For those of you listening who are like, what? What are you talking about? Um, My brother is in a band called McFly. And when they shot to fame, he was about 18 and he's seven years older than me, as I really like to remind him. So I was about 10 or 11 when they were all over the newspapers, the magazines, Saturday morning TV. They were literally on everything at their height of fame. And even though I was super young, I was still very aware of what was going on 
and around the time that McFly were at their height of fame, I was at an all-girls private school. So I was constantly in amongst McFly's biggest demographic, which I was, you know, hugely a part of. I was a very big McFly fan. Um, So it was, you know, on one hand, it was amazing going into school and hearing people singing my brother's songs that he'd written. Like, how cool is that? That's like amazing. And I was super proud to see my brother's hard work really paying off. Um, So on the one side, it was just really cool to have a big brother in a band and getting attention for his amazing songwriting skills. Um, But on the flip side, you know, there's always going to be a downside to that kind of attention and that much attention. So there were times when we had just random people calling up my family home because they'd managed to get the number, um, which was quite scary. And I'm pretty sure there was a time when someone claimed that my brother had been in a car accident and was like severely injured in hospital and it just wasn't true. (laughs) So things like that happened every now and again, which were slightly terrifying. And when I was about 16, 15, 16, social media came into play. Um, So, you know, again, there were amazing moments where, you know, McFly reached a certain amount of followers and all, you know, cool things happened, like Stargirl getting played on the International Space Station to wake up the astronauts, like stuff like that, where it's just like out of this, literally out of this world (laughs) and like really amazing. Um, But then on the flip side, you'd see people say awful things about your family members. And then when I started to gain a little bit of attention myself through my own videos, my own uh, YouTube channel and my own social media, people saying awful things about you too. Um, So... I think it just sort of um, embedded in me this fascination of, I guess, to be really general, people, but specifically fan culture and fame and celebrity. Um, And this idea of just taking someone who yesterday was a super normal person with a very normal life, um, putting them on a pedestal and suddenly they are seen as better in some way and like shiny and glossy and untouchable uh, and we give them all of their attention. I'm just, I'm fascinated by it and I think Daisy Jones and the Six did a, a really good job of portraying that and sort of this idea that from the outside something can look so perfect and so amazing to the point where we all lust after it. You know, so many people want to be famous. They want their name to be known globally Um, but in reality, it can be really lonely and really dark and, um, a little bit gritty and grim. Something I really loved about the book is that it immerses you in the world of celebrity and famous bands, um, right from the off, because the book is written like it's an interview that you would find in a music magazine, um, and all of the members of the band and even some of their managers and the people that they were on tour with. Um, They're all being interviewed simultaneously, but it's written like they're not all in the room together. Um, And something that really fascinated me about the book is that you can see how people's memories are different because it, it, the book is written as if they are being interviewed present day about their time 
as a famous band in the 60s and the 70s. So their memory recall differs from each other. And some people remember things in a certain way. Some people remember them in another way. And some people just don't remember them at all. Um, And I think that is so interesting that everyone has their own version of the truth. Um, And unless you talk to all of them around the same time, you may never get the actual version of events, um, which I found so, so interesting. I think that was one of my favourite things about the book. Um, And also just getting people's different sides of the story. Another thing I loved about all of the characters is that they are flawed, but not to the point where they are just terrible people that you don't want to continue reading about. As I said in the last episode, I find it so hard when you've got unreliable narrators um, and characters that are just so morally inept that you just can't stand to read about them because they are just awful people. The characters in Daisy Jones are flawed, but not to the point where you outright hate them. (laughs) Um, They are flawed enough that they are relatable um, and that you still feel like they've made bad decisions and you can recognise that what they've done is wrong, but yet you're still rooting for them because you know they have the capability of being good people. (laughs) And something else that I thought was really clever about the way that it's written in that interview style is that you, you hear about someone's decision that they made all those years before um and their reasoning um and you hear them justify why they made that decision whether you think it's a good decision or not and then right afterwards you hear how that decision impacted somebody else um and their view of that decision and their opinion on why the other person made that decision um there's lots of instances where billy the sort of uh, the front man and the leader of the band who makes the majority of the decisions for the future of the band there are times when he is very precious about the songs that he writes um, and the way that those songs should sound um, and he makes decisions where you go I get your decision I completely understand why you've made that decision and you have justified it perfectly like your reasoning is flawless however you've gone about it in all the wrong ways so that the rest of your band think that it's a terrible decision. There's one character who is a (laughs) non-celebrity. She is married to Billy. She's called Camilla. um, And she is on the outside of everything that's going on. And it so clearly gives her a clearer perspective on what's happening. and she almost holds everyone together. The fame and the sex and the drugs and the rock and roll kind of send everyone reeling at one point or another, and Camilla seems to be the one who picks up the pieces and puts them all back together again. Um, In my opinion, she is like the hero of the book. It is so fascinating to me. Have I said the word fascinating enough in this podcast? Um... (laughs) I am one of those people who gets so bogged down in the details and the intricacy of a situation that I can't see the wood for the trees and I just get so disoriented and can't figure out what the right path to take should be. Um, And it always just takes one person who is on the outskirts of my situation to be like, are you serious? Like, 
the option is so obvious and I cannot believe that you cannot see it. And it just takes stepping out of my own brain for like three minutes to go, oh, oh, <laughs> I get it. And I definitely could have made that decision at least three days ago and saved myself a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry. And it feels like the fame and the hype and the attention and the adoration of Daisy Jones and the Six gets to everyone at one point or another and it just takes Camilla to go, hey, calm, just be calm, just chill for a second and it's all going to be okay. <laughs> and I love it. I love her. I love Camilla. I think she's such a good character. So even though I have talked for the last however many minutes on why I think this book was so good, I still can't put my finger on what makes it better than other books that I've read. I don't know if it's just a case of it resonated with my own life situation and things that I'm really interested in and it just sort of pulled on those strings or whether it's just a genuinely incredible book and I just got it, I just connected with it. And I would say, you know, if you love 60s, 70s music, if you love bands and reading about bands and reading about fame and celebrities, um, then give Daisy Jones and the Six a go. You definitely should read it. But I didn't like any of that stuff. Like, I, you know, I have a fascination with fame and celebrities and fan culture, but that's not necessarily what I like to read about. I wouldn't say that I enjoy books about fame or celebrities, although now I probably would say that I do. But prior to reading Daisy Jones and the Six, I didn't. Um, so I think even if, you know, you're not keen on any of that stuff, just give it a go. Just read it anyway, because I blimmin' loved it, and I think it was great, and I genuinely don't know how anything else I'm going to read this year is going to top it, unless it's The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which is written by the same author, because <laughs> that was the book that I was like, I need to read that book, because that sounds right up my street. Um, so if I loved Daisy Jones and the Six, which wasn't up my street, and it's now my favourite book, I don't know how I'm going to cope with a book by the same author that I thought was up my street. So I will report back to you once I've read Evelyn Hugo. But until then, definitely read Daisy Jones and the Six. Now when it comes to my five star ratings, what did I say that I was going to, I've forgotten my questions already, let me have a look, let me consult my notes. Okay, do I like the cover? Yes I do, it's got sprayed edges, it's beautiful. I love it so much. That is one star. Do I like the writing style? As I have talked about, yes, I do. I love the fact that it's in interview form. It made it ridiculously interesting. Did I relate to the characters? Yes, I did. Um, I mean, I've never been a drug-taking rock and roll star, but Yes, I did. I did relate to the characters. Um, I feel like I related to Camilla more than anybody else. Um, but yes, I did, is the short answer. <laughs> did it make me feel something? Yes, I absolutely cried at the end of the book. Um, I know I've already kind of given some spoilers, but I'm definitely not going to spoil the end of the book for you. But hashtag bring tissues. Um, and finally, would I recommend it? Yes, because I'm making a podcast about it just to tell you how great this book is. So that is a five star book, which isn't a bad start for this podcast.
So seeing as this is the first episode of the Prattle and Pages podcast, it feels only right that our first question is about a first. This question was sent in by someone called Jenny, and the question is, what is the first book you remember buying? Now, I have bought a lot of books in my lifetime, but for some reason, the time that sticks out in my memory, I can't remember how old I was, I must have been about 13 or 14, and my brother said, Carrie, I don't know what to get you for your birthday, but I know you like books, so let's go to the bookshop, our local Waterstones, and I'm going to buy you whatever you want. I only picked out two books, I didn't really take advantage of that situation like I should have, <laughs> but I bought two books, and those books were The Dream Merchant by Isabel Hoving, which still sits on my shelf unread. It's a beautiful book, in fact it's one of the prettiest books I own, but I still haven't read it because it's quite a chunky book, and I'm quite terrified by it, to be completely honest. And the other book was Tell Me What You See by Zoran Dravenkar. I'm definitely pronouncing that wrong. Um, but I did read that one, and it was terrifying. It's a horror slash thriller, um, and is, yeah, quite, quite terrifying. I only remember being scared by it. I don't actually remember reading it, so I will have to give it a reread. But prior to that, I don't remember buying any books. I definitely did, because I've got quite a few books that I've collected over my lifetime, like I have the evidence of buying books prior to then, but I don't remember. So the first memory I have of buying books are those two books, and I think the memory has stuck in my brain because it was a, a special trip. It was a trip that my brother took me on and he bought me those books. So it sticks out in my mind. What was the first book that you remember buying? Please let me know at Prattle and Pages on Instagram and I will see you next time.